greet you this morning in the name of Jesus. I didn't realize our Sunday school is going to go hand in hand with what I'm going to be sharing this morning. Um, we're going to continue in the Sermon of the Mount. If you want to turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, I'm going to be reading verses 31 through 34. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or withal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And message title this morning is Seeking the Kingdom. Well, it might have been about three weeks ago, I, as I've said before, I get a verse of the day every day on my phone from a Bible app. I, I enjoy them. It oftentimes will give me food for thought. Sometimes it'll help me with something that I'm dealing with. And verse 33 is the one that came uh, that day. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And, and the phrase that stuck out with me is, "All these things shall be added unto you." And I put that verse in my mind and thinking that's some some good content in that promise not even thinking in what context this verse context this verse was found in in uh, Matthew 6 here and when i looked it up i was um, maybe a little disappointed referring to material things material needs food you eat what you will drink clothes you will wear I know everyone knows we don't preach a health and wealth gospel. If you do this, you'll receive this. I figured if I did, this would probably be the first and maybe the last sermon here at Prairie. So, But at the same time, we also teach that we are responsible to supply these needs for our families. And as fathers, uh, we're ultimately responsible for these needs. But anyway, I, I pushed this verse off and started going another another direction. And a couple of days later, the uh, parallel verse in Luke twelve thirty one uh, was in my morning devotions. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So here we are. We're going to look at uh, seeking the kingdom. And as I, as I read this verse and the phrase of everything being added unto you, um, if we, we seek the kingdom and his righteousness, I asked myself the question as, are we living these verses? Are we living within this promise? We, 
We've had generations now that have lived life comfortably with many material blessings to the point that food and clothing and these things are are no longer the focus of our everyday uh, needs and things we think about. And is God blessing these generations for their choice to follow Him? Do we do we have it right? Is that why we have it the way way we do? Um, and again, I I would very hesitant to even hint that it's something that we are doing that we did, but that we just happened to live in a country where these blessings have been this way for for these many years. So I started thinking about outside of uh, United States here, how do others read this verse in other countries? And thought about Haiti and the corruption in the government, uh, gangs taking over cities. You know, work is hard to find. Poverty is everywhere. How do they look at this verse? Um, over in Ukraine, we read of Christians, people in general, you know, sheltered underground in bomb shelters, uh, breathing air that is low in oxygen, hard to breathe, they're not ventilated, and their food is almost gone, the clean water that they have is about gone. They read this verse. They look at it the same we do, same way we do here in the states. Are they going to ask God, how can we not worry? You know, this situation is beyond our control. What about in Venezuela? Those who read this verse, whose uh, Bolivar, if I'm saying it right, which is the Venezuelan currency. In August of 2012, it took 10 Venezuelan Bolivars to equal one U.S. dollar. In uh, 2021, it took 4.1 to 4.2 million Bolivars to equal one U.S. dollar. How would they read it? You might say this is Venezuela. Well, it wasn't always this way. Uh, they were once the wealthiest country in South America with the highest cost of living. It had abundant natural resources and the highest proven oil reserves of any country in the world, even more than Saudi Arabia. It has gold, minerals, and fertile land, but the people are starving. Would it be hard to say, God, I don't know where I'll get my next meal, but I leave this in your control. Matthew 6.31, again, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? How shall we be clothed? And Jesus goes on to say that after these things do the Gentiles seek, or pagans, those who don't trust in God, they're consumed with these earthly material things to the point that they push God out of their daily lives. They want more 
you know, they, they lay out for themselves. And the context for both Luke and Matthew prior to these verses, Jesus is talking to his disciples about laying up treasures in heaven where these treasures will never decay. They'll always be beautiful. And in Luke, he told the parable of the rich man who tore down his barns and built greater so he would be set for life. He wouldn't have to worry about anything anymore. And I wonder if this is where we here in America may struggle the most. You know, we do not face each day with a concern for daily food and clothes, what we keep for ourselves, and what is sufficient for later in life. And I'm not here to go farther with that. But I want to focus on verse 33, the seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So we get this right. God has promised uh, to add the other things. First, he mentions the kingdom, and then he says his righteousness. And uh, what is his righteousness? And whose righteousness? And if we're referring to the kingdom of God, we know it is referring to God's righteousness. And do we know God's righteousness, His character? Now we have the Old Testament where we see God working through the prophets. And the New Testament, uh, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So don't we, don't that give us a picture of who God is? Isn't it true that if we look at the life of Jesus, we see the righteousness of God? Turn now with me to Luke 12. Luke 12, 32. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Again, we have the same almost identical verses, but 32 is added to that. And he says, fear not, little flock. He's, of course, talking to the disciples. And he's comparing um, what is the beginning of his his church. Uh, they're going to feel like they're in the minority comparing to the number of people um, around them. But he says, uh, fear not, for the Father in his good pleasure wants to give you the kingdom. And it gives us a little different uh, spin on on this kingdom. You know, when we're seeking the kingdom, it may feel like we're we're looking for it, but may never find or attain. But when he when he says that the Father, it is His good pleasure, He wants to give you that kingdom. It, it gives it a little bit of a uh, a different look that uh, He. He wants to give it to us. So what is this kingdom? Uh, let's go to Romans 14. And Paul tells us what the, what the king, kingdom of God is. 
Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And we'll read more of those verses later, but Paul is instructing the Roman church here that there's some things that are necessary to be part of, of God's kingdom. And there's other things that are not necessarily uh, necessary. They, uh, they're they not wrong in themselves. But at the same time, he's pointing out that there's there's others. You may have others in your church that have convictions on things and refrain from it. And at the same time, we ourselves may not have <clears throat> may not have the same feeling and, and Paul calls this eating and drinking or meat and drink this is things outside of uh, of God's kingdom and he goes on with uh, his explanation of the kingdom of God and I'd like to break it into three parts uh, number one our personal responsibility Two, our responsibility to others. And three, the results of receiving that kingdom. So the first one is, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. And that was already touched on in our, our Sunday school. And this, this is not about, again, the meat and drink. It's not about our personal opinions. But this is about about God and His righteousness. It's an an attribute that belongs uh, to God. And the concordance said on the the word righteousness in this verse, it's uh, equity of character or act, specifically Christian. So let me ask, what is Christian? And would have the uh, meaning of little Christ or Christ-like. And when we become a Christian, we become like Jesus. We take on His character. We begin to act as Jesus did when He lived here. And when I think of righteousness and what it means to to me or to a Christian, I always think of right living. You know, we have we have Jesus, and when He when He walked here, and we have His examples, and He has taught us ways of right living and everything about him was right and good and when we get serious about being part of God's kingdom it will affect virtually everything about us our conduct, our speech our interests and our finances and I looked at the, the word equity a little bit um, how it was used here in the concordance, being fair or impartial or uh, fairness and upright. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't think God is fair or impartial. You know, why would God of love send people to hell? And those who take God's righteousness on themselves are considered intolerant of others. But we understand that because of who God is, 
and His righteousness, there are some things that are wrong for all humankind. You know, we often hear the phrase that what is wrong for me may not be wrong for you or for somebody else. We just need to accept each person as where where they are at, and we will get to heaven in our own our own way. But if we go down the path of this type of individualism, we will begin to divide God and divide His kingdom. And Jesus said in Mark three twenty four. And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And that was in a different context where they were blaming Jesus to be part of Satan's kingdom. But the phrase still, the verse still stands in what we're looking at today. A kingdom divided against itself cannot, cannot stand. <clears throat> God is not unfair or partial. And if we want to be part of His kingdom, we need to take on all of His character because we cannot change an unchanging God. And we cannot make Him into what we want Him to be. Number two, our responsibility to others. And the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace. And this word peace was used a lot in our Sunday school. But in this context, it is not referring to the inner peace and happiness which we as Christians have in our mind from knowing Christ, but is peace among the brethren. And I, I want to read Romans fourteen, twelve to 19. <clears throat> So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, destroy not him with thy meat, for, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. So it gives us the thought of there's some things that we will stand accountable for just between us and God. It may not be wrong or right in uh, here outside of God's kingdom. It may not be a wrong or a right. But if we're offending somebody to the point that causes them to stumble or fall, we could be held accountable for that. And verse 15 in the New King James Verse Version, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy your food for one for whom Christ died. Do not destroy with your food one whom Christ died. It may not be food, but when we knowingly offend, 
a brother, we are no longer loving him. And this could be another subject in itself. And then the last verse I read is in verse 19. Follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. So look and do things that bring peace and that we can build each other up, that we can build up our brother and not for selfish reasons uh, continue to do things even though we know it uh, may offend and may cause somebody else to stumble. Now, peace is essential for a kingdom to function properly, that it would not be divided. <clears throat> and if we have a desire to be part of this kingdom and have a love for our brothers and sisters that imitate Christ's love for humanity, we will desire this peace and will not struggle to give something up for the good of God's kingdom. 1 Corinthians 14.33 For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And then two verses from our Sunday school lesson in James, the ones Alan read. James 3.17 and 18 But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, Gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And the NIV for 18 is peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So there we have our first two points that I covered in one, in one verse. If we sow in peace, we will reap a harvest. We will receive Within us, the righteousness of God. Peace brings righteousness, being a peacemaker. Number three, the results of receiving the kingdom. <clears throat> For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. A joy is without kind of mental agony or distressing fear. And how is this possible? And I think we all know it's a joy that comes from knowing Jesus and understanding what He did for us and that it cannot be replaced with anything else. But Jesus said He would not leave us comfortless, but He will send a comforter who will show us all things. This is all part of God's kingdom and He finds great pleasure and giving it to you, the joy of the, the Holy Ghost. Have you thanked God recently for giving you His Spirit? You know, without it, it would be like taking a trip to some unknown area without a GPS. We would aimlessly wander around trying to find our, our own way. But Jesus knew that we're going to need a helper and he would not be here to uh, walk it with us. So he sent his spirit that each one of us can uh, can have that within us. Now to make this a little more practical. Um, 
We kind of covered a few points to get to here. But if you want an interesting study, just look up. If you have a computer program, look up the Kingdom of God or Kingdom of Heaven. And it leads you all through the New Testament. There is... Uh, his kingdom is a big part of the gospel message. I'm going to go back to some of my thoughts at the beginning and how we will have our needs supplied if we seek His kingdom. <clears throat> In this subject, I'm covering a very uh, practical, uh, maybe very physical part of our life here in God's kingdom. Uh, we may go another direction uh, later. As I thought of these scenarios that I laid out at the beginning and how when they read this verse of uh, seeking the kingdom, seeking God's righteousness, how they can be have all these things added, the uh, food, the clothing, And I want to break this into three scenarios again and three things that happen. And the first thing um, can happen anywhere. It can happen here. It can happen to us. But I just use the, the Haiti again. What happens when a person finds Christ and they they compare their life, their past life, to the life of Christ? the one they are beginning to follow and base their life on. It changes the way they live and the decisions that they make with the needs and wants. Um, <clears throat> we know, like I said, Haiti and living in poverty. With the little resources they have, we know a lot of people uh, may still turn to... Uh, Rather than using the resources they have to feed and clothe their family, may still turn to alcohol, drugs, uh, these type of things. When that same person, and again, this can happen to anybody, when the same person finds Christ and seeks His kingdom, he will likely find himself in a loving church that is looking out for the the best of each one there. In food and clothing and this is the working of God's kingdom being part of his kingdom can be a part of that that work <clears throat> number two it's not always in our control you know the Christian in Venezuela you know, I maybe have been laying up treasures and in heaven uh, you may even have laid aside for bad times and hopefully was not living a high life when that currency became worthless because they're left with a lot of worthless treasures on earth. But not all of this could have been avoided by good management on, on their part. And I think this is where we should seriously consider where we're at. This just took a couple years to happen in a... Uh, country that was very wealthy. And number three, disaster strikes anywhere. 
the uh, Christians in Ukraine could have been a good manager. And they may have been forced to leave their country or flee to a, a bomb shelter, something like that, and could not take anything with them. And God, God may choose to meet the needs of these people in any way that He wants. I mean, He can choose to use miracles on His in His own hand. He has the capability of dropping manna, food from heaven, like He did in the Old Testament. And I believe it was at the Lady's Sewing that a story was shared of Christians in Ukraine who witnessed a miracle. Um, like this, where I think they were, I don't know if they were in hiding or where they were at, but they experienced their food never uh, leaving, never disappearing. Every time they wanted more or needed more, there was always some there. So God can work in these ways and be glorified. But I think, most of all, I think God likes to work through the lives of others who belong to His kingdom. To supply the needs of others that, uh, that, that have these needs. And we're not just called to help believers, but He did say that should be our priority in Galatians 6.10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So we here in America are very, very blessed. We've been giving, given lots of opportunities to share in the kingdom and helping brothers and sisters around the world. This could also change very quickly. And I'm confident that the kingdom of God will continue to work. And it will still function. And it could even be us on the receiving end. And I'm just thinking of this. It was humbling. And uh, to think that, you know, we, like I said before, we don't even barely think of these things. And when we look at Venezuela, how fast they may be on the receiving end of that. And I'm blessed to see young people and others go and serve in these areas of needs. Uh, there's a young man in, in Iowa, down in our area, that went over to Ukraine. It was at the early, at the beginning of the war when they were still trying to get people out. And I don't know for sure if this was uh, specifically helping Christians, but it doesn't really matter. But they were driving into these cities and in caravans and vans and bringing, bringing people out. And one morning they woke and found that during the night the Russians advanced and then they found themselves behind enemy lines. And there's really nothing to do but to load their vehicles and drive out as they have planned. And this was a very obvious caravan of vehicles leaving. 
And if I understood it right, they went out through a field and God miraculously protected them. I don't think, if I remember right, they were even stopped or questioned in any way. Um, My employee's brother is over in Ukraine right now. There's a group in their church that are helping with food distribution in a uh, safer part of Ukraine, uh, getting food in large quantities and breaking, breaking them down and distributing them to those in need. And I'm sure there's missions helping, you know, Christians and churches in Venezuela as well. <clears throat> and my, I guess my point this morning is the, there's a lot of good that happens in the kingdom of God. You know, families are fed, children are clothed, elderly are given comforts to stay warm. And it, caused me to look at uh, some of these organizations a little different. Um, we sometimes look at CAM and question the involvement that they have and the amount of money that they handle and the number of requests we get in the mail for donations to help others in crisis. And I know personally I've questioned whether all this is is necessary. But as I as I thought of that, I also understood that is there's no way that me as an individual would be able to find these needs of Christians and people around the world and give them aid. And as I was preparing this, I was convicted and I started digging through my mail holder and I pulled out five envelopes from CAM that had given me opportunity to share and those were just from the recent past. I usually get them, look at them and stick them in the holder. And, you know, they're, I'll get to it I'll sometime when it's more convenient and eventually I have them so long that I'd be embarrassed to send a check in so I throw them in the trash. And this has been how it's been going the last years. And there's always going to be something else that I can spend it on. can always want to do something else that can be ahead, be put ahead of what, what God wants us to do for His kingdom. And did you ever wonder what, what your gift, if any, when they were received... Was it interpreted as a miracle by the receiver? You know, Jesus gave us the perfect example of meeting needs of others, gave to the point of giving to his blood and life had all flowed from him. So, bringing a little closer home, we call it the local kingdom. What we function in here? Are we looking out for each other? Do we see the needs in our own congregations and do they have our, our best interest 
And I just want to share our appreciation and for your support and prayers that we've received and want to give back as we can. You know, it's a, it's a blessing. It can be a wonderful blessing to be part of a, a kingdom, God's kingdom, and then also a church that is focused on kingdom work and for each other. And when I, when I went in with uh, Josh to Mountain View, um, we, soon after we were there, we found out they're preparing for a respect walk of uh, one of the residents had died that morning and they, they all come together and sing as they're wheeled out through the halls and loaded in the hearse. And the one motto, the motto they have, and you probably all heard it at the presentation, is that no one dies alone. And I, as I, as I thought of that, seeing those youth uh, on their day off, I know the presentations they talked about the staff that are off or the middle of the night, if they get a call that somebody is dying, they need people to sit up with them or to sing for them over that time. They'll always show up, if at all possible. And what what makes them come to this point? And I think it's uh, the same thing for us. Is they they have become part of the mission of Mountain View. And that mission is that everyone is uh, respect, treated with respect, and that, if possible, no one dies alone. And through that, they form a love for these residents the way Jesus loved them. And even though these a lot of these patients, these residents are not capable of showing their appreciation for what they do, they still treat them the way Jesus would treat them. And I thought maybe our, our motto here, prairie, should be no one cries alone or no one hurts alone. Are we ready to seek His kingdom and His righteousness and be all in? All in the kingdom. And with God, we can accomplish so many things through His kingdom work.